0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: There's no distance
0: too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel—it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash with amex.
2: This is Full
0: Change with Tom Labeau. Have a Stanley Cup winner on, on the pods, Mark Messier. Is not Mark uh, Rafferty, but it's someone who fought probably a lot more than uh, Mark yeah Yeah, okay. I like that. Mike Hartman. Wow. Cool. Very cool. Brother, how are you doing? Great. How about you,
1: Tom? Good. good. So Mike and I never played with each other. We played against each other. You started in 87, right? And I was out in LA at that time. But we've done a lot of things with the Ranger alumni. Mike was part of your 94 winning cup team. So you and I hit it off, I guess, we're kind of in the same business, right? Doing that motivational stuff in me too. So
2: good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Great to see you too good deal. Where are you living now? Well, I was in Hoboken, uh, for like the three years when I was seeing you a lot, but now I moved back to my home in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, good. And where, what is your hometown though? Where are you from? From Michigan. I'm from a, a little town called Oak Park, Michigan, which if you've seen the movie eight mile, my grandmother lived like right that right close to where that movie was filmed. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. You still have family back there now? Yeah, I still have family back in Detroit. I go back uh, I, haven't, well, I haven't been back in a while, but I, I still have family and uh, friends there and uh, I, I, I need to get back there more actually. That's cool. So you grew up playing hockey in Oak Park and that whole area there? Yeah, it's, I mean, I grew up, um, you know, it's a real blue collar area and I lived there till I was about 15 when the highway department and took our home and I ended up moving to a city called West Bloomfield, uh, which was huh? about a half hour away. But so I lived uh, there, played House League hockey for the Oak Park Rangers, was my first team. Oh, very cool. And then played for the Oak Park Islanders, and I wore number nine when I was nine years old, which was Clark Gillies then. He ended up being my roommate. Who you idolized was it Clark Gillies? Yeah, Clark was one of my favorite players in Mess, and I played with both of them. Gillies, we had him on
1: one of our shows. He actually caught, con- I really didn't, I knew him a little bit from charity events and everything. Uh, but, uh, he contacted us wanting to come on the show. He's like a little kid. I mean that in a very good way. He was just excited to get on the show. So we got to be friends with him before he passed away. He was really a classy guy. So
2: my, uh, my
1: roommate and I played
2: on his line and I called him Mr. Gillies actually. <laughs> this was up in Buffalo. Yeah. I was 19 years old and I'm playing with Clark Gillies and we're playing in Montreal and we roomed together. Wow. And, uh, his Stanley cup would always sit in the bathroom. on the, uh, on the ledge His the cup ring with the Islanders. One of the years he won. I never wanted to touch it just (laughs) on the toilet by accident or the funny thing was I was, you know, realistically, I, I don't even hide this. I was just happy to be up there. I mean, I was a seventh round draft pick and playing for Scotty Bowman and ended up making the team that year. So I'm in, I'm talking to Clark and I said, Clark, you were one of my heroes growing up. He goes, listen, all I know is I'm going to bed. We could talk about it in the morning. (laughs) I <laughs> talk in your sleep because if you wake me up, I'll have to kill you. <laughs> did he really say that? I talk in my sleep. He knew I did. He oh, that's funny. He was good,
0: man. He was funny.
2: Oh, he was great.
0: So, Mike, you said you got drafted. How was that experience for you? How was that that day?
2: Well, it, it, it's interesting the way it worked. Uh, so back then, I had uh, offers to play college hockey. My grades were uh, pretty good. You know, my oh, dad. I like Tom. Yeah, well, no, I told that I was in the top three of my class, ABC, C student over a year, a five ball in the 2.0. You could play for Michigan State or Northern. Well, yeah, had, there you go. There you go. Well, but I, I had decent grades and I was going to play for Michigan State for Sean Walsh. He was the assistant coach. He recruited me. And then, like I said, I moved to West Bloomfield when I was 15, played one year for Little Caesars, and then moved to Toronto and played tier two hmm. for uh, North York Rangers which was a a tier two via a friend of mine, Steve Conroy. I don't know if you remember Steve. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Steve knew Gus Bidali. Gus said, well, I'm not going to take you on as a client, but I'll help you get to North York. So I get to North York and ended up leading that team in penalty minutes and scored a bunch of goals. I was 16, playing with 20-year-olds. And Gus said, well, you need to play in the OHL. And I gave up my college eligibility and did not get drafted. Everything fell apart. Uh, Everything you know, it just didn't work out at a really bad year in Belleville. It's a, you know, the Belleville rink is Olympic size. So everything, the way I played my game was against, you know, it was just not working for me. So I didn't get drafted. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, uh, I was ready to quit. And I saw, I was, I went to the draft and I saw Ken Holland and he says, well, oh, you might as well go back to school. I don't think you could play. But then I ran into Jimmy DeVolano, and he says, hey, I'm going to call you Monday. Will you come and meet? I saw him at the draft. Will you come down and have uh, lunch with me? And I said, yeah, right. He's going to call. Well, he did. So he called me, and I went down to Joe Louis Arena, and I met with Jimmy DeVolano, the nicest guy. Yeah, And I was actually... um just talking to him. He goes, you know why I brought you here today? I said, yeah, to give me a tryout. He goes, no, quite the opposite. He said, we're not allowed to because you're in a development league, but when you're 20, I can, but here's the deal I'm going to make with you. He says, you're not the biggest guy. You're not the fastest guy. He goes, you kill pedal leads, but you don't do anything well. You go, out, you go out of your way to make hits and you're going out of your way to fight guys and you're not going to beat guys up like that but if you play a certain style without getting into it i'm going to write down this whole plan for you including the training program if you follow my plan i'm going to give you a tryout at 20 years old and bring you in because you're a nice boy that's how we said it (laughs) how's your how's your confidence level at this point i was feeling great after not right away i went home i ran five miles i started training i started doing um Things back in those days, like working on balance beams and different things like that. To make a long story short, boxing, and I, you know, I got a little bit bigger and stronger, and had a got traded out of Belleville right away to North Bay to play for Bert Templeton, who was my favorite. Yeah, uh, made the World Junior team that year. Got drafted by the Sabers uh, after playing that year, and it's all about timing and where you go. Yeah, really. So, did you follow Jimmy Demolayo's plan pretty good? I did. I followed it uh, to a, to a point where he called me and he goes, I'm proud of you. And he, I go, what? He called me. And I said, uh, I called him back. He, he left me a message on, we didn't have cell phones out on my mother's answering machine. He goes, Oh, somebody called me and Jimmy said, he's proud of you. He goes, oh, Mike, this is Jimmy Davilano. I'm very proud of you. Uh, Nick Polano was driving down Orchard Lake road. That's where I live. And he saw you running in the hundred degree heat. So uh, he started, So that was good timing too. So, and I called him, I said, oh, thanks, Mr. Devolano. He goes, well, just keep it up like a two second conversation. So it was very nice of him that he like laid out this foundation for me to, to help. Like it was something I'll never forget. It's amazing. I know you do all this
1: motivational work now. You know, there you are in that situation, really really give up. And then somebody else came along to motivate you and show, show you a path to get that done. Right. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, you know, my father grew up pretty blue-collar in Old Park. My father says, you never quit. You never quit. I was ready to quit, actually, after the first year of junior. You don't get drafted. Your chances are getting slimmer, and, and you need hope sometimes. And yeah. I almost did. I almost felt like quitting. Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? This is a compliment to you, too. You're not a big guy, but I remember you as a guy, and you're talking about it now. You would just fight anybody. Like You would do whatever you had to do to play in the national I don't know if that's smart. <laughs> well... But back then, it had. I mean, if you wanted to play in the National Hockey League, that's what you had to do, right? So you were willing to do it. So,
2: so about my well, I if I was going to make, I, I like to hit. I, the the physical part was more than just fighting. I mean, I wasn't. You know, I, I try to fight smart. You know, yeah. uh, I remember you might have played in L.A. that time. I was walking down the corridor there, and I, it was later, and I saw Jay Miller, and uh, Marty McSorley, and. And, uh, I knew Marty cause he played in Belleville, but he didn't really know him, but he would still rip your head off. And Jay Miller, I would fight him a lot in Buffalo, Boston. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm walking down the corridor and he said to me, I said, I said, Hey, good morning, Jay. And I said, Hey Marty. And I'm not going to tell you what Jay said. Cause I don't know other things, but he said, Hey, F
0: off. Huh.
2: I said, Oh, great. And I guess, well, I keep walking and he yells at me in the LA forum, Mike. Mike and I turn around I go yeah he goes are you gonna hold on tonight or are you gonna fight like a man I said I'm gonna hold on he goes that's what I thought
0: <laughs> so Mike you're in, you get the call up in 87 you're 20 years old how was how that where is, you remember your first game remember where you were when you got called
2: yeah I'm out of training camp in 1980 uh in 86 87 and then I got sent back to junior then to the world junior team and then got called up for three games but the first Game I played was a uh, exhibition game because our real big tough guy got hurt. Andy Rista, when Wayne Van Dorp, they were mm. bringing two big monsters in. Yeah. And they were hurt. So I, I had a pretty good training camp running around, hitting, doing what I could do. And I ended up uh, well to a point where Scotty told me I'm playing opening night against Washington and I scored. I got in a fight with Fran Jennings. Did another exhibition, then another. And then we were playing in Rochester against the Flyers next to Lindy Ruff in the dressing room. And uh, Scotty says, I'm posting the lineup for Rochester again. We're playing the Philly tomorrow. And I'm, I rush over there. He goes, and Lindy says, are you excited? I said, yeah. He goes, don't look. You're on the roster. I said, well, let me just look. I go and look. I come back all excited. And Lindy says, why are you excited? I said, oh, I get to play tomorrow. He goes, well, talk me after the game. They're probably going to dress about 12 or 13 guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I, I did it. And I went there and I did what I had to do and ended up making the team. And I did, I sat out the first three games and played my first game against Montreal Canadiens at home. It was great. It was just a great experience. I just, it was not real for me. I had a pinch. Myself. Yeah. I know. It is that. That's the thing. You look
1: back at that first game and you're saying yourself, I can't believe I'm really doing this, right? Like you've dreamed all your life of getting there. So that's cool. Was Larry Payfer still there? Or was he gone? I no,
2: I, I, I actually, Larry is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah came here yeah. i had him in la for a while great guy yeah 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 he was there with me and uh we still talk to this day oh cool in the locker room you got like really intense before the games you're joking around what were you well I'm not joking in fact i never said
2: anything no though you got a really big mouth now you're talking all the time now my girlfriend that's what she says she says uh how long's the podcast i said an hour she goes well, you don't shut up they'll probably yes. <laughs> i'll ask you one question and you go for an hour
0: you had Mike, you had a lot of bruises on that that Sabers team in the late 80s early 90s, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we had I mean, we had a physical team. We had uh Jeff Parker, pretty tough guy and now uh, Kevin McGuire, I, I mean, know. You know, middleweight guy and big team. Like people said we are the guys big that them, but we had Huey Krupp at 6-6 and Adam Creighton at 6-6 and Jim Corn at 6-5. A big guy. Do you, do you think
1: the players are bigger now like people say that i don't think so i think the players are the same size as they were back then right
2: but you had some big big guys like you know back i think when was that like 2008 and 9 when they brought in a lot of big big tough yeah. guys Wait, but you racked up
0: 316 penalty minutes in
2: 89 yeah try to play hard but i didn't try to take dumb penalties i knew if i was gonna i had to fight some big guys anyway so why not play you're not going to run Wayne Gretzky. I don't mean I I wanted to play physical and hard and then if somebody wanted to do something I was there to try to do what I could and try to fight smart
0: did you have a guy that you had a rivalry with that you were always throwing with
2: and I fought all the time
0: yeah he was tough dude too yeah yeah and Shane
1: Churla as well Shane Churla's story when he was in uh, Calgary I believe that's where he started and uh, I ended up with Colin Patterson remember him Colin Patterson Yeah, yeah So I had him down. I was on top of him, and Churla got loose, and now he's grabbing me from behind. He's going, "You're my guy. You're my guy!" Like yelling at me. He wants me to get up fight him. I said, "No, I've got my guy. I've got my guy." (laughs) And Colin Patterson was down below and just dying laughing too, because I was holding on for dear life. It was just no one,
2: Colin Patterson. I was playing in the in the you know the first year I was playing in Buffalo, and then the second year I got sent down, and I Shane Churla that year. Or just that year when actually I was up in Buffalo, he went on the stage in Rochester and, and beat up half of the uh Rochester Amherst. It was a big thing about him. He ended and and he built up a little reputation. So in Bighamton, he was playing for the Bigamton Whalers back then. And I get there and he lines up next to me and go. Oh, good fight.
1: Yeah. I didn't
2: realize who he was. If I probably realized I maybe would have held on more. Yeah. So then I'm in the penalty box, and all I could see is he's putting Vaseline on. He's going like this. He's going. We're going again. Okay, now he looks. He's not like yelling. He's looking straight ahead. He had that crazy look in his face. Yeah. He's out there, and I charge at him, and he slicks and I hit him again. Got like four minutes, and he goes, "Now I'm going to kill you." I was one the third time, and I felt pretty good, and. Joe Crozier says do you know who you just fought I said well sure uh. he goes he goes well I'm gonna make a call in the Buffalo I got called up just after that oh yeah nice. I was in Baltimore going to Baltimore I got called up and that was it but anyways that's the same but then we got to the NHL he you know he he, he was you know yeah. he was tough dude yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so did, when you're up in the NHL then you felt like okay I need to fight to stay here in the National Hockey League
2: about fighting I believe that I had – Buffalo was a small building, and I knew I had to finish my check, hard uh, get the puck in deep, you know, make smart plays, play good defensively, and if anyone does anything to one of our players, I'm going to be there to do what I could do or let them come to me. So I said I had to, I had to do it, and it was just part of the, what I was playing. I, I wasn't that guy that they're going to send out there to, to fight Dave Brown That's, I mean, that's not a fair matchup really. So it was more of just trying to add energy to the team. And crap you ever had, I fought Lyndon Byers. Like, like I said, maybe eight or nine times there was, I I try to fight smart and I'm glad I did fight as smart as I, I could fight. I mean, you can't punch for punch with Marty McSorley is do whatever you, you can get the advantage. And I try to fight on my terms. If I'm, gonna, I'm not going to fight somebody at the end of my shift, or who could last a long time, I said, oh, I'm going to fight or John guys. Yeah, I was trying to be, next thing you know, when you look at the, have 200 plus minutes, and then they, now they start looking for
1: you. Yeah. Isn't it funny too, like you, you, back then in those days in the, in the 80s, 80s, you look at every roster, there's two or three guys on every team, right? That you're going to fight. And guys that were good fighters and tough guys too, right? Wow. Like, that's what I say when I got in the agent business. Uh, I just left L.A. and I had Warren Reichel as a client, and he banged around the minors. And I just got him as a client. I said, listen, I hate to say this to you because this is – I hate the job myself. I didn't do it to that level. But I said, if you're going to play in the National Hockey League, you're going to have to fight everybody. And uh, to his credit, like you, he went out and did that and made himself a National Hockey League career. But that's that, that's a tough job. Well, little
2: do you know is Warren lived at my house in the oh. in Detroit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. When he was playing junior and I was playing, there was his, his buddy, he was Brad Belland. Yeah. And there was the three of us and Brad got drafted and Warren and I would train and run, box, skate. I didn't know that. Wow. Go out. <laughs> <laughs> Bundy had fun. Yeah. He, he, Bundy, Bundy thought he was John Travolta back then. That's who he thought he looked like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we went, he was training hard with me and I think that was the year he was the first guy to have 30 goals uh in yeah. 20 minutes yeah and we just hit it off as really good friends back then and then he started bringing me over to because we're going to skate in Windsor so I mean what a talented skate that was they had well Probert, Dommy <laughs> Stone, Gravy you should have seen the guys, Jovanowski you've seen the guys they had oh
1: that's funny that's yeah. funny yeah
2: was a good friend of mine
1: that's good too. What's he doing? He's scouting with somebody now too, I think, right? Edmondson. So, how many total years did
2: you get in the NHL then? Nine. Nine years. That's a good career. I mean, like a couple of years, I played seventeen games. So I don't know if you count that. That's, that's true. I played, but if you look at years played, like really seven, games and then parts of other seasons. So, how long were you in Buffalo then? Years. So three full years and two parts of two years. Like right. when I went back to junior and played on the World Junior right. team. Doing World Junior that when you played? Uh, we, well, we had a good team. We had Leach and Scotty Young and oh. Orkham. We had a, a good team, but overall, I mean, Canada was packed with Shanahan. And they were just packed with players. Yeah. So did you go, we did go right from Buffalo to the Rangers. Did you go someplace else? No, I, I played uh, in Buffalo. Yeah. And then I got traded to Winnipeg with a guy you probably played with, Dean Kennedy. Oh, that's right. Yes. He's my partner. Yeah. 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 Partner. Yeah. There you yeah. go. I became really close with, with Dino, actually.
1: He's a good man. I'll tell you, that's an honest man
2: there. Bad. Yeah, I could tell you a two-second story about him. And then I was picked up in the expansion draft pretty high, like the third pick in the expansion draft, and then I got traded to the Rangers and pretty much uh, Neil said, who I, I really like Neil and respect him, uh, Neal said, because you're going to be an in insurance policy here. And I said, it's not what I wanted to hear, but that's yeah, what it was. But,
1: Could be honest, like the NHL isn't all, and not that people lie all the time, they just don't tell you the, the reality of what's going on. So, I,
2: I kind of admire that he tells you the truth, right? Even if you don't want to hear it. 30 second story D- Dean, uh, I got traded uh, with him from uh, Buffalo to Winnipeg. So, Jerry Meehan calls me in, and I'm the young guy. Hey, thank you very much. You gave me a great opportunity, and yada yada. So, Dean Kennedy walks in and says, Hey, Dean, oh, he goes, hey, Don't give me the crap. What, what time am I leaving? Where am I going? And thank you, Jerry. It's business. And left. And then I got on the plane with him, and I said, man, I can't believe you did that. He says, why? Be yourself, Hardy. So I ended up becoming friends with him and signing sure. with me Salser because of, oh, yeah, Dean. And the funny thing with Dean, he said to me, he says, Hardy, I'm only playing 10 years. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I can score 20 goals, which I know I won't. I can... A team can give me a million dollars back then and I know they won't, but you know what? I promised dad that I'm gonna work on the farm. Yeah. And he did. So he played ten years to his word yeah. and ended in Edmonton and he ended up working on the farm. So you talk about an honest yes. guy. Oh he's he
1: was my roommate, and I have so much respect for him because he was exactly like that. He, he he told you he was gonna do something just like that story. He was gonna do it. He had a tough guy, too. Like I was surprised he moved around so much. I did really liked him as a player. I think he was good. To the Rangers, what point of the season was it?
2: It was at the trade deadline. And I was playing with Tampa. And I knew I was going to get traded because Terry Chris didn't say two words to me. The the first thing he said to me is when I got to uh, Tampa, he says, hey, you're not the guy I wanted. I wanted a bigger guy, but won't buy a place. They were trading everybody. We had an old team, so like uh, Rob Ramage, Basil McCray, everybody leaving. And he came to the back of the bus. We just landed at LaGuardia. They were going to go play the Devils. He said, hey, Hardy, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. He says, uh, how's everything? All oh, your buddies are leaving. It's tough, tough business. So I said, I'm done. did. I got traded at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. indeed.com slash match
2: terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: so when you get to the rangers i mean you got some characters on that team they mark messier brian leach mike richter adam graves all those guys it seemed like that was a really tight group of players too right that they really were they put together for a purpose and they wanted to win
2: well in my lifetime i always looked up to mark messier even before that i played against him and but just the, the the guys we had, we didn't have any selfish. Yeah. People. And those guys were true leaders. Uh, made sure you were comfortable. I, they, I mean, just, I can't even say enough good things about the people that we had there. And they're the same people today. Yeah, um, Kevin Lowe, like doing things like they had a list that who wanted to go on David Letterman. And uh, I was late putting my name on there. And I, he goes, how oh, you want to go? How do you take my name off? And, just so many oh, the wow. littlest, the littlest uh things that um you could do. And I remember no one's ever this this was kind of funny. I was playing uh playing pretty well. So between myself and Kyprios and uh Phil Bork, who barely played, we were sitting out a lot, Eddie Olchuk, and I was playing really well, hitting, playing physical, and Keenan sat me for four games, and we were in Florida and uh mess was having a big dinner for everybody i said "Mess, can i come a little bit late for the dinner i'm gonna go see my mother He goes your mother's here and i said yeah she lives in florida now and he goes wait a sec he ran him back to keenan's office told keenan i was playing Colin Campbell comes out and said i guess you're playing tonight you remember that stuff yeah i remember family cup but i remember the good people that we surround ourselves with i mean that's beyond you know yeah. good group guys yeah
1: so okay i don't know how much you want to talk about this but uh, i've heard a lot of stories i never liked mike keenan I, I never as, as a person i just thought he was a total phony um i was trying out for the canadian olympic team and uh he was trying out as well and i i barely remembered him and then later on when he was looking for a job in the nhl he would called me up pretending we were friends you know from the olympic team and you know but meantime when he's coaching at philly you'd walk down the hallway he wouldn't even acknowledge you; just walk right by you. and all this stuff all the nonsense and everything so i hear and again, you you touched touch on what I want to talk about, but I hear more that Mark Messier really took that team over in 94 and basically coached the team. Is that accurate?
2: Well, I, I don't, you know, I look back on it and you know, he was our boss, any way you look at it. And there were a few of us that were, you call us support players, if you want to call sure. us that. And, you know, we weren't treated by him the way you want to be treated in, in life. Like, right. I believe that life's built on relationships. I believe in mindfulness. I believe in hugs. I believe in we're people. I don't care if you're a a hockey player or you're you're working uh, at a coffee house. And he was very, very difficult then. But I could say now he's different. And I don't mind him today. But playing for him back in those days, I don't know how many people You know, they, they work in corporate America and you hear complaints today and you read the TV that would ever accept that type of, uh, maybe behavior is the right word, but it, it, cause everybody knew he was, he was tough and there was a lot of, uh, but I know you say it tough. You're trying to be diplomatic. He was tough is one thing, but he was a, he's just a rude person. Yeah. It wasn't, you listen. Yeah. I, but I'd run, you know what? I've had nice talks with him. He was really nice to my daughter and I'm going to give a real kiss ass, uh, analogy, So Mike Keenan in the old days was very interesting, but today he's very interested. Like he sat and talked to my daughter for 45 minutes about what she does in life. So, um, do people deserve a second chance? And and so for me, I don't like a lot of guys say it it was funny. We were on a pod. We were on this big podcast with Glenn Healy, Chip, and a bunch of us. I've heard those guys go at it before about this stuff. Yeah. Oh, but with Keenan on there and they got to me, and I said, "Listen, Mike could have traded me at the end, so I have a Stanley Cup, and that's all I'm going to say." And Glenn Healy said, "Oh, quit kissing his ass. He's not put you on the power play. He's not going to play you tomorrow. You sound like that Donald Trump's press secretary." <laughs> and I said, because because there were a lot of callers on that uh, on that show, like a thousand. I, mean, I don't know, like there was a lot of people saying this. Was he an animal? Was he a nasty guy?" I said. Not, he was just not the, he wasn't very pleasant back then, but I, I like him today, surprisingly to say that. So I don't say too many bad things about him. I just never thought that stuff was necessary, but yeah. it's not, you know, and like, I, like, I love like when I, you know, not reversing it, reverse engineering, this, but when I met you, I'm going to say, like, I went back and told people, hey, I really enjoyed it. I talked to Todd Alec actually. Oh. And, and I said, Todd, I really enjoy, uh, Tom Laidlaw and I just, and I just liked you. We, we hit it yeah. off yep. we sat next to each other. We enjoyed each other, but I, you can't say that about Mike. Yeah. Right. So that's right. Mike, that's... Todd, Ellick, where'd you see him? Do you know him as well? Well, I played junior with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Todd, uh, I, so I played with him in LA. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I played junior with, uh, with Todd and, and there's a guy that played college hockey in Canada and, and made it.
1: That's right. Yes. I yeah. forgot
2: about that. Yeah. 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 So you won the cup here in New York. Where'd you go after that? Did you stay
1: around New York after?
2: Well, they, the next year was the lockout year. Oh, yeah. And I sat out 17 games and played one against Pittsburgh. And I did something. I don't know if I look back at it, but it, it. The one thing you look back at, I, Rick Dudley called me and says, listen, you're not playing. There's teams that would want you. Would you come down here and play? And so there's only like six games left in the season. And I asked Neil if he could loan me to Detroit. And guys thought it was the stupidest thing, but I wasn't going to play there. Detroit in the IHL, correct? Yeah, the IHL. Right? Yep. Well, I ended up going there, and then from there, uh, tried out for the Red Wings. And then I knew Donnie Waddell very well, so Donnie said, Come play in Orlando. And then when to call her, I actually signed with Colorado, had a good year in Orlando, and played for Kirk Frazier, who's a great guy. I don't yeah, Kirk yeah. Yeah. was great. He said listen there's teams that want you signed with colorado became the captain of hershey won the calder cup uh tore my stomach out that year had the stomach surgery try to play through it and i realized i was done and quit moved to charlotte and there was a hockey team here and they said would you play part-time which i probably probably should have quit i played parts i played till i was 42 years old when they needed that league with my last year's 2008 i played a game, but probably should have quit earlier. Wow. So
1: then once you're done playing, you jumped right into this business that you ultimately sold. Is that correct?
2: No, I, when I was done, I, I went back to school, it took me 10 years. and I have a bachelor's in business. Uh, I went through empire state college and a non-accredited school in California, ended to be non-accredited Kensington university, got a bachelor's degree. And then I took my NASM national Academy of sports medicine. And I ended up, getting certified and, and I bought and I owned a gym, uh, learned coaching. There were, I started learning that I didn't want to be someone that owned a gym. So I kept looking for something I liked and I liked the coaching business, which was becoming more popular back then. And then studied this, learning how to read assessments. And, uh, that's how I got into the business back then. I ended up selling my gym for very little, like very little yeah. money just to get out of it. And started coaching and been doing that ever since. You say coaching, life coaching, correct? Yeah, we call it life. I call it performance coaching, yeah. and re- reading assessments. I was in the, you know, you give somebody, and I, I love to give you one sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, I give them the businesses. Little Caesars was my first big account in Detroit, which of all, sure. and I worked with from like Quiznos to, to real estate companies to insurance companies. And then I started working individually, but doing a lot of assessing, reading these assessments. And uh, it's really like gives people a baseline and a roadmap. Sure. sure. Have you ever done any athletes? The story I have is, and I would never say the names, but I got a call from one of the guys on the Boston Bruins and the same guy that would swear at me and yell at me on the, on the bench. He goes, hey, I hear you're doing coaching. I need some help. So I said, listen, I'm not even gonna, And I knew financially he was struggling. I said, I'm going to do it for free. So I helped him and he really loved it. Then I got another Boston Brown, then another one. And these three are the guys that I would, if you would have asked me in 1986, I'm going to be talking to these guys. And they were really appreciate, really appreciative. One of the guys that brought the guys was Randy Burridge. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then next thing you know, one led to another, to another. And, um, I started working with some of these, uh, people, which
1: led to more people. Don't you find that with hockey players? I don't know what the other sports are like. Even if you never played the guy, even if you fought with him against them, yeah, after the game's done, they're all buddies, right? It's like you've got that bond.
2: Yeah. No, that that's true. And I, I didn't even want to charge these guys. Yeah. And it was reward he felt good about it. Right. And you're still doing the coaching now then, right? Yeah. But remember there's a difference between therapy and coaching. Like right. I'm not a therapist. God forbid. I I worked with a lot of dentists and God forbid a dentist would say, Hey, I don't I'm not happy in my life. I'm going to say I'm not the person for you. I help with mindfulness, measurable goals, uh, you know, all the things we learned as a hockey player. I try to apply it to the business world, and I use this assessment tool as a tool, as a baseline, and help them uh, through that. And, Did you de- develop this assessment? Or is- uh, it's it's if you look him up, it was Robert S. Hartman. He was up for a Nobel Prize. No relation. People think yeah. So I studied, I, I ended up paying ten thousand dollars to get certified. Just do a little research on Robert S. Hartman. He yeah. he has this like original Hartman value profile that businesses use. I ended up working for this Dr. David Medford from the University of Tennessee that says, I'm gonna take you under my wing, I'm gonna teach you how to read these assessments. And uh-huh. it's been amazing. Like it's been great. Yeah, that's very cool. Mike, you also wrote a book, right? Yeah, the book. Is, you know, it's a healthy mindset for athletes and workplace athletes on Amazon. It just teaches you to be in the moment, teaches you to, uh, you know, everything that Tom stands for. I know I know Tom very well. Uh, It's just the very basics. I'm just trying to get better, even if you get 1% better or 5% better. and, And that's what that's about. It's amazing that
1: I've got, you're the same way that I've gone on this journey the last five years. I felt like before, like I look back on now, I says, What was I doing? It was almost like wasting my time and stuff. Like I love playing in the National Hockey League. It was fantastic, dream come true, everything. But I look back and I see myself now compared to what I was then and I just
2: like I love myself a lot more now than I did back then, right? Yeah. And and that's so true. Like I'm not um like I'm proud. I wanna say I I I don't wear my ring or I live in Charlotte. Most my neighbors don't even know I played hockey. It it was uh it was great. And uh I don't, you know, I you know the funny thing you mentioned, Mike Keenan, um, I was sitting there at the table with Doug Litster and we had that, uh, fanatic game. I don't know if you, if you, yeah. yeah. And, and Mike was at the table cause he was coaching and this gentleman from Houston who I think he's the CEO of a big oil company and brought in this whole group to play in this game. And he said to me at the table, he says, Mike, I read, uh, you no, know, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your career? I said, well, what do you want to know? And I'm at Mike Keenan's at the table and there's Adam Grays. and Liddy's looking at me and, uh, and, 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 he said something like, uh, well, it said that you got hurt. I said, oh no, that's when Mike Keenan's not here. That's just what I tell people. But I was joking. I said, no, I was a guy in and out of the lineup. And then Doug Lister said, yeah, me too. And then Mike Keenan and Mike Keenan said to him, he says, you know, Liddy, you came in and did great. You played two big games for us. You played game seven, game six and seven for us. You came in and you did unbelievable. And I never told you that. After sitting out a month, and, he, and Lidster looked at him and says, Mike, you sat me out three and a half months.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. Like you mentioned before, Glenn Healy and uh, Nick Kiprios, when they get going on the subject to Mike Keenan, they're hilarious. Like Healy's got a great sense of humor. And they don't play any punches a lot of times. They're, they're pretty good. How I many you ever played with? Is it one?
2: hard um yeah. i mentioned earlier uh mark napier faked an injury for me to so i could play my 70th game and that's talked about i heard it on podcast so he i needed i played 69 games that was the year i had all those penalty minutes. eight goals nine assists plus player uh which not a lot of goals on the fourth line but it was a good year quite yeah. a lot and it was the last game of the year and ted sader who i really like said listen you're not playing tonight and I said oh, damn. so Mike Felino Larry Playfair uh Mark Napier they go what the hell's going on I said I'm not not dressing they go well oh, okay well you get a rest kid you'll be playing don't worry we have we have Boston it was already guaranteed we're going to play Boston and I opened my mouth I said damn I needed this game for a one-way contract and Larry Playfair said excuse me you what yeah I said I need a one game for a li- uh, he goes you're playing tonight and then Mark Napier says, "Oh, you're playing," then and Mike Foligno. So now I started this whole stir, and I didn't want to. Larry went in and said, "And well, Larry was playing, but they weren't going to play him much in the playoffs." They said they're going to—I think they're playing him up at forward. He says, "I'm not playing tonight." Dave Anderchuk went in, so they said, "I—he's not playing." It came from up top. Who Jerry Meehan's is one of my most favorite people in the world, but it was—they just said I wasn't going to play, so wasn't playing. I get out for warmups. And Mark Napier rolls around the ice. Like he got hurt with the one <laughs> second loss. Well, they have to put me in. Cause they didn't have any, I was the uh, guy. Right. And, but you have to play one shift to get a game. And Mike Felino says, if you're not going to play a ship, we're going to push you over the boards. <laughs> That's classic. So, I mean, I look back on those guys and it could almost, to me, that means more than yeah. a championship or anything of what those, cause that meant a lot, that one way contract sure. that. Yeah. So, uh, I still, and, and, and to conclude, the conclude, you'll know, laugh. I, didn't, I was a young, young kid. So the guy said, Mark Napier really likes his wine. He has this big wine cellar. And you need to go buy him a bottle of wine. So I go to like the Harris Theater or what was it? The Wegmans and uh, oh,
1: yeah.
2: alone, I buy him a $30 bottle of wine. I walk in. The guys are looking. I go, what, what's this? I go, it's this bottle of wine. Go, the guy got you a one way contract. You need to buy him a $500 bottle. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody doing that kind of stuff before. That's cool. I, in my life, I, that's what guys said. I saw Grant Ledger in a, yep. a Grant. And yeah, Grant. Yeah, you—that's you're the one story that no one that they talk about to this day in Buffalo. What Mark Napier did for you, I said, that is good. You don't realize it at the time, but you look back later in life, and it's like, man, how can you give back? You said you were a big fan of Ted Sater,
0: because Tom's a huge fan of Ted Sater. <laughs> we did not get along at all. It's
1: interesting. I know I, I admire you for getting along with him, but there's a lot of like we had Clark Gillies on the show too. And he tells a story about how he picked him up in the locker room, and threw him across the locker room. Is that true?
2: Yeah, no, that was. But, but the thing with te- you got to remember though, that they had like I, I look at it differently. Like, and it's <laughs> my thing, this guy's got to be the biggest kiss ass on the show. But I made that team, uh, even the second year, and they had Normie Lacombe in the minors, they had Paul Sear, they just sent down. They had all of these players that were first-round draft picks that were in Rochester, and he kept me. So all I had to do was shut my mouth, yeah. play hard, and I, I wasn't Clark Gillies, I wasn't John Tucker, Dave Ander, Chuck. I was just the kid from Detroit that needs to shut his mouth and do whatever he can to help the team win. So for me, um, and he played me a regular shift, uh, so how, how can I not I, – I never would – and, and he didn't treat Clark the way Clark should have been treated. Yeah. I mean, Clark Gillies was a legend in our eyes, and you know he got stuck on our line, the fourth line. He didn't play all the time, and it was,
1: yeah. I think they like the Ted Satyrs and the Mike Keenan's of the world try to do things to play little mind games that aren't necessary, like be disrespectful to guys. Um, so when Ted first started here in New York, he I th- think he wanted to come in and say, okay, I'm boss here now. So he did things like he sent Mike Rogers and Nick Fatillo to Hartford, the minor league team, he sent Glenn Hanlon to Adirondack, somebody else's minor league team, yeah, LaRouche. You know, Pierre LaRouche to Hershey. Um, and those were all popular guys, those are our friends, our teammates. And to do that to them, it was kind of like, like you jerk if you don't want those players on the team, that's fine, trade them away, but don't treat them like that. So, I think that right off the bat it, it, said,
2: Yeah, it's it's a but I think I was on the other side of, yeah, it. yes, you were, yep, Yeah. So, uh, I look at the guys like we had Mikel Anderson, a first round draft pick, he's in Rochester, so. I could have easily been there. There's only yeah. one fourth line left winger. So for me it was like man I was yeah. fighting for my life and he respected that and just left me alone and played me a regular shift. But I could have probably been on the other side of that too. And well, well I was the same way with Herbie Brooks. Herbie Brooks just loved
1: me, you know, like he would play me above other guys. Uh, so I, I, I'm, the same thing with that coach, you know? And, and so for me, I loved her, but there's other guys that played with her, didn't like him at all because he didn't treat it in the same way. So now, yeah, that's, that's the game though. Right. I mean, uh, and that's how it has to be to get a break to play. You have to have somebody that likes you and wants you on that team. So, yeah.
2: And, and that, if they don't like you, you're done. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. Especially when you're that like fourth line player, fifth or sixth defenseman, you know, you're the top guys. You're going to play someplace, but, uh, yeah, get buried. So you look back at anything, any regrets about your life? Like to me, when I look at your life, like how much you got out of your career and what you're doing now, it seems like you really try to max out your life, don't you?
2: Yeah, I, I think that, I, I guess when you're younger, I wish I would have appreciated more what some of these uh, players have done. And you appreciate it, you're young, and it's but you don't realize how they went the extra mile. And I wish I would have stopped playing earlier and got on with my life. That's one thing that it, it cause the transition out of, out of hockey was tough. You had like this identity crisis when yeah. you, know, and, uh, and maybe I should have worked on my career uh, a little bit early, like in those days, but I don't, I don't know if I have a lot of regrets. I think I could have played in Europe uh, longer. I ended up being in Europe and they ended up uh, calling me uh, Lou Vero to play for the U S team over there. Oh, really? Playing on a line, yeah. A, a couple guys got test. One guy got tested for Sudafed, which is not a bad thing. But over there, wow. he was tested. Another guy got hurt, so they called me last minute, and I played on a line with Neil Broughton and Joe Mullen wow. I played on the U.S. team. To and and I, and I was playing in uh, Europe in Cologne in the DEL, and uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I I I'm I look back and I'm I I don't have any like real regrets about that, but maybe probably stayed in Europe a little bit longer. Yeah. I think you're like me too, you know. You love your life now. So you really don't
1: regret anything that happened in the past or anything you did because that makes you who you are today, right? That's how I tend to look
2: at it. Like like people say, God, are you jealous about what this guy makes or what this guy does or what this guy has? And I'm not. Someone says, How do you I don't understand? I said, I don't care. Yeah. I'm happy with me. I don't need much. I need a stability and a nice roof over my head and I have to know that i'm working hard right now and contributing to what i'm doing but and not taking shortcuts right i can't worry about what some guy makes yeah. today i don't care i don't even i don't care and just more yeah i'm the same way part of the rangers like i look at it like wow they're calling me to come do things uh, it's a privilege for yeah. me to be with you and do all this stuff and yeah that's how i look at it
1: I just I think about the money today, the guys are making, I think my, my two ex-wives would have got all that money anyway. So I wouldn't have left. Just left.
2: <laughs>
1: That's true. Uh, yeah. So next chapter in life, are you happy with what you're doing right now? Just keep on grinding away at this.
2: Yeah. I've been doing a lot of coaching, which I like, but the goal is to, I took my book, which I love to talk with you about yeah, with yeah. your book. And I turned it into an, uh, a course that my website doesn't show it now. It's just, it's hodgepodge now. And they're, going to take the program and turn it into a course. And I'm hoping companies would use the audio book. I have a, an app and do that, but still do the coaching along with more scalable courses so they could buy the course. So when you're done with your book, I love to share with you how yeah. they turned it into a, a course. So now they're taking Tom Laidlaw's course. I bet it's a true grit. Is that the name of your yeah. book? True good life. Yep. How did I figure that out? Uh, that's a tough one, yeah. Yeah. So True Grit Life, when the time comes, because I would buy your course with your store, your captains, and something like that would be really scalable. Now the company says, yeah, I want to buy uh, 500 of these or 100 of them, or and you're still helping everybody out, and it's automated. That's, that's cool. So where does
1: everybody go to find out this stuff? MikeHartman.com or where are we at?
2: Oh, well, it's, it's, it's there now.
1: It's Hartman.academy. No.com okay hartman.academy so so the app they can find it there as well or they have the app store
2: yeah it's there now but if they're looking today it's not gonna be how it's gonna look tomorrow gotcha so it's
1: still in development okay but that's where they go to follow it good that's excellent i I love what you're doing i think you you and i feel the same way about life and helping other people and it's a business too i mean you gotta make money but same time you're helping people at the same time so that's fantastic
2: and yeah. and I could always say I've always uh, admired you as a as a person and as a player even before I met you I remember just being a very you know, I didn't look at you as a real tough, like, fighting guy. You were tough, But look at it as a very steady, steady, steady uh, defenseman that was hard to play against.
1: Uh, thank you. That's a real compliment. Coming from you, too, because you were a pain in the ass to play against, I'll tell you that. You
2: were... <laughs> I mean, that's
1: a real compliment. Did you guys ever fight each other or any big hits don't between you? I think we did, because I was in L.A. by that time, so we didn't play against each other that, or, that often. But I'm sure we were on the ice, because uh, I probably would have had to play against you a lot of times. That's, you're the kind of guy who would against. played against. Me. Yeah,
2: the, the, the thing I remember, I don't know if you were there, I... It was an accident. I was playing in New York, and I was playing for Ted Sater, mm-hmm. my third year, first full season. And I come across the middle, and I'm looking one way, and accidentally Kelly Kissio, we lock legs. Now he's rolling around like I blew his knee out. And they had Chris Nylon in, and they had oh, yeah. Greshner's out there. So he's rolling around like he's hurt. I go and dump the puck in like three shifts later, and uh, Petite is going to get it and I throw him and he falls in the boards like I could have broke his neck and I didn't mean to do that to this day. Now all the fans in the garden are yelling, you know, they're, they're yelling like, yeah, you know, are a bad. And then, so then I, and then for some reason, Ted Sater puts me out there with Kenny Priestley and Mark Napier. I go, wait a sec. And they send out all the guys like Joe Patterson and yeah. uh, Chris Nyland all like and they had Lindy Ruff on defense. Sure. So right away, they grabbed me, and I, I'm i in the penalty box. And Lindy will never forget this. And I'm in the box, and Nyland says, you're not going to get out of here alive tonight. I'm going to kill you. And I said, "I said you don't scare me. I said, Lindy Ruff can knock your head off. He drops the gloves with Lindy, and Lindy gets cut here. hair. <laughs> 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 said, you ever do that again, I'm going to hurt
1: you. Oh, that's funny. It's, it kind of reminds me, we were playing uh, Buffalo before you got up there. We were in New York. I remember... And Larry Playfair was on the team, and John Van Boxmeer was on the team as well. And I'm yipping with uh, Van Boxmeer, and Larry standing right beside me. And Larry was a scary dude. If you didn't know how nice of a guy he was, he was just a scary-looking man. And Van Boxmeer and I go back and forth. He says, "You think you're so tough? Why don't you go fight Playfair?" I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, and I'm, I don't want to make it look like I'm scared to death, but I'm thinking I'm not fighting that big monster. Yeah, uh, he's a funny man.
2: But, bomb right yeah. Oh man, he's yeah. a sick man. Well, Rick Dudley told us before the game. He said. If anybody fights him, it's a ten thousand dollar fine. And you look. I like that. So he gets out there, and he's kind of a funny guy. He skates by our bench, just because you have in Buffalo, you have to skate. L.A. skates by, and he stops. He looks at the bench, and I'm there. McGuire's there. He goes, "I want one guy tonight, and one guy only, Kevin McGuire. You can't hide." And Babsy didn't say anything. He goes, and he, he and. He wasn't being funny about it. He, right. I guess, he fought in the miners before. So I go, oh man, good thing he didn't say mining. So I'm out there, and we're at the face-off, and Baumgartner's because I know I hear he's a nice guy, but you don't know much. Yeah. About. So he he's at the face-off, and he says, "Are you ready?" To McGuire, McGuire says no, and he looked at me. He goes, "How about you?" I thought, oh, no. well, he goes, <laughs> goes "Magsy, how about you?" Again. And he looks at me, he goes, come and ask you one more time there was like, they were doing something to the ice. He goes, the puck drops. And he says, why does everybody want to be my friend around here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny. When he first came up to the team, he would uh, shave like stripes on the side of his head and paint them and all his cuts. And he knew what he was doing. He was trying to show he was as nutty as possible. And he would play like this heavy metal music, you know, and he would crank it all the way locker room. So now he's a rookie. He's controlling the the music, which never happens, right? It's always the veterans guys. And he had it so loud. I think he knew what he was doing. We couldn't sit in the locker room. So we go look at him. He's sitting in the locker room all by himself listening to this music before the game. Nobody's going to say anything to him because he this guy's a nutcase. He ended up being a really intelligent
2: guy though, right? Oh, He's a smart guy, but he, because it was funny during the lockout. He, I thought it was a joke. He goes, uh, Mike, this is Ken Baumgartner." I go, Ken, like I thought it's one of the guys. He goes, yeah, I just want to tell you that, uh, Players Association decided to give us X amount of dollars a month. And I'm on the, uh, committee i said oh, okay thanks ken yeah i didn't even know then i heard he's a pretty bright guy
1: yeah top. yeah i think he's doing some financial planning or something like that no
2: yeah. did you ever get initiated i did in buffalo oh i did and me and my big mouth like if, if you say if i ever did anything so we had kenny Priestley, who in all self we were the youngest guys on that team we had phil russell playing defense uh we had an old a very old team right. uh, clark gillies uh yeah. i mean that. Uh, Gilbert Perot was he still there? Well, yeah. So I'm. We were. We had a team meal at the in Pittsburgh at the Steel Building, like fifty six floors up. And Kenny and I had to pay. He says, "Well, we were the only two rookies. He, we had a pay." And I said, "Oh, I don't care. I'll pay little did I know. That was a lot of money." And the guy said, "Well, you have to pay us back." So I couldn't put that on my credit card. That was my first year. I couldn't. Guys were drinking and eating steak. And, and I said, oh, this is the initiation. He goes, oh, no, no. He goes, we're going to, when we get back on Monday, we're going to shave one of the two of you, but we have to pick out of a hat. <laughs> well, I said, so felino has got the hat, because back then they did that. I go, oh. And Kenny's girlfriend was coming. We were already there like 17, like 10 games. Right. They pick out of the hat, and they pick Kenny. He goes, Kenny? Monday's your day and then Hardy you're probably the following week when we have off Monday he couldn't he's his face turned red I said I said me trying to be like this new I said no nah, no one's touching Kenny I said come to me first and, and Flynn. oh what a good guy oh was that stupid
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was one of the most stupid things we ever did as
1: hockey players initiation to that that served no purpose didn't help the team at all yeah, yeah. you know what that stuff yeah not you, yeah you look back and there was there's just no point to it whatsoever it was just a, a tradition that got handed down and we all did it and all thought we were supposed to do it and i look back now and it's almost like embarrassing that we participate in that stuff but
2: yeah did you like la playing in la i did you know what
1: i love new york so when i first got traded i was a little bit bitter actually because you know I, i've been with the rangers my whole career as a captain assistant captain and won player player awards all this stuff so i felt like that was my team um and then uh i tell us all the time my first uh uh, we rented a home with a uh, pool and a hot tub in the backyard and it was Christmas Eve. I'm sitting out in the hot tub, having a cocktail. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't too bad at all. And then of course, when Wayne got traded there, it became the place to be really. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a good, you know, I, I really fit in there. Well, I had a role. Uh, do you remember Timmy Waters? Yeah. Yeah. So Timmy and I were partners and especially when Robbie Fitorik and Brian Maxwell were coaching us, they just loved us. They, they, thought we were, so we would, we had times where we had seven defensemen dressed and Timmy, Timmy, and Tom, we would go out every other shift and. I don't forget, Marty McSorley was one of the defensemen, and he was hot. And we, we couldn't, you know, if they're going to have us go on the ice. You go on the ice.
2: You don't say, No, I'm not going on the ice. It's not fair to the rest of the guys. So we went to Blake's house in Manhattan Beach. Oh. Like before the game, yeah. a few of us went to, he had a little house somewhere in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Now I guess he tore that down and built a mansion over there. Which... Oh, is that, had the
1: hot tub in there, that, yeah. that house, didn't Yes. There's yeah. some stories about that house. Yeah. So you
2: never really wanted to stay in the game coaching or anything like that? Well, I had. That's why I was in Charlotte. I had an offer to to be a coach in Quad Cities, and I was going through a divorce, and I just didn't want to be away from yeah. my my kids. And then I think Tampa Bay Jay Feaster asked me if I was John because I like John Tortorella. See, there's another guy yeah. people like. Yeah, and I think he's an amazing guy. Tortorella. I agree.
1: I agree with you too. Yeah, it depends what kind of player you are, right? Like a guy like you or myself would get along great with Tortorella. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I had him in Buffalo as an assistant coach. Oh, they were thinking about taking, the, they were an independent team and they were going to New Haven and they were trying to solidify a, a an American League spot. They were right now, they were breaking up their team back in 2000. What, what year did they win the cup? It was just before that. Yeah. Well, anyways, he asked me, called me, says, do you have any interest in helping out in New Haven? And I just said, no, I was just, I didn't want to leave. I, I don't know. I just didn't want to.
1: That's the thing about coaching. You're always moving all over the place, yeah.
2: So, Mike, do you still get on the ice? Or are you still playing these days? Yeah, I get on the ice. I, I play pickup hockey here in Charlotte, and uh, it, it's great. It, you know, a lot of us are friends. In fact, we have a goalie that's uh, – he's 75 years old, and uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. His name is Steve. He's from Detroit, and uh, I score on him. He thinks I'm great. He goes, man, man, you played the NHL. You're he, He's 75, but I I get this <laughs> – well, he's like maybe 72. He's a great guy, and it's fun. So I get out there, and I have a lot of fun. There's a lot of new people moving to Charlotte. It's like the place to be. They're all moving south, right, to Charlotte and Florida. And I get on the ice, and this uh, this kid, I, I'm in the corner, and uh, he kind of bumps into me kind of hard. And I said, what are you doing? He says, hey, play the effing game. I said, well, don't talk to me like that. I said, let's just have fun. He goes, play the game, buddy, or get off the ice. So I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll put up with it. And then I did something stupid, and I he had to pop, and I slashed him to break his stick, not to hit him in the wrist, and I sloshed his stick down, and he came and pushed me really hard. Now, he was probably 5'11", 140, 150. He needed all the glasses. Now, in my day, I'm used to, you know, Shane Churla, Jay Miller, John Kordick, and now I have the skinny kid. So I said, "You don't want to do this." Plus, I don't want to do it because I don't want to get in trouble. You look like, oh, I'm the guy that's going to look like the yeah. doing this thing. So I get off the ice, and as I'm skating on, he calls my name by the bench. He goes, "Hey, hey!" I goes, "This guy challenging me? What is he doing?" He goes, "No, I just want to apologize. Somebody told me who you were, and you fought. I, you would have killed me. I'm sorry." I said, "Hey, I never. You would have to hit me over the head before I would get." Mad. And then, you know, make it long story short, a couple of days later, he's out there again, but we're sitting in the dressing room and he's getting dressed. And I mean, he's really lean. I mean, I'm not trying to like this guy. All right. So look at guys come in, like, you know, the six foot five. And yeah. I see this guy in and I go, Hey, how are you? He goes, Wow, well, I'm doing good. I got today off of work. It's Wednesday. I said, Oh, what do you do? He goes, well, I'm a pediatrician. So I'm thinking to myself, Oh my God. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You know, these monsters back in the day, and now I'm fighting (laughs) goals on a 73-year-old guy, and then pediatricians are coming in. Fighting pediatricians. (laughs) That's great. I came home. I told my girlfriend, I think it's time to play pickleball
1: full (laughs) time. Oh, there you go. Pickleball. Well, listen, uh, great having you on the show, and I really mean this. Uh, I had a ton of respect for for you before I met you, the way you played the game, and I really do mean it. I I look back at your career, and you're one of those guys that, and it's total compliment that you got a lot out of your life lot of your career you really battle hard and uh, you and i've got to be friends and uh, i think
2: we have a lot of the same beliefs so glad you're in my life well likewise i always enjoy seeing you and i and i i brag to everybody when when you know when you were on that uh uh survivor Oh yeah yeah and uh yeah it was just you know you're you're an inspiration to many so right. thank you all right brother yeah. great to have you on the show yeah thank you yeah thanks mike yeah take care guys Well, that was cool. Mike
0: Hartman. And, you know, I didn't say this on the air, but I, I actually played against him in men's league a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, did you? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he went, he was going half speed and, and we didn't know who he was. And afterwards we, we talked to him and, and one of the guys I was playing with said, you're pretty good. Did You play in college? And he's like, well, I, I play for the Rangers 94 cup. <laughs> it was a pretty neat flex on us you know
1: well he was a good role player too he was really important to the rangers on that team those black aces and they made a lot of decisions based on those guys fitting into certain roles and he fit into his role well now he's a good guy and again another guy i really admire after the game because he hasn't just sat around done nothing he's really had a second career so good man yeah absolutely all right grasshoppers thank you for listening we had a fantastic show we'll see you next time